record to the cloud. Perfect. All right, you guys, welcome back. It's been a minute, or welcome to our podcast called Behind the Mask. I'm Chris. Um, yeah, it's been literally, I don't even remember when the last time we put out an episode, but we are back again to talk about a really important topic um, in mental health and athletics, but specific for coaches. In the heart, in the kind of heat of the new year, since we're literally a, a week into it, um, we're not going to talk about resolutions. I have about a million issues with resolutions, but what I am curious to hear from you, AZ, is uh, I'm going to have you introduce yourself to the people in a second, um, is what did you learn about yourself as a coach this past year in 2022, and what are you hoping for in 2023? So those are the questions, but you want to introduce yourself to the people. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Chris. Um, hi, I'm Azure. I'm originally from Reading, Pennsylvania. I um, went to school at Kent State in Ohio, and I played field hockey there. I did a podcast back in the, I guess I can say back in the day with Chris and um, <laughs> Becca and other Becca. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, now I'm a coach at Appalachian State uh, University, and I'm coaching field hockey, and I'm in Boone right now in my little house here. Um, but yeah, and I'm very thankful to be here. Chris is awesome. Met her through FCA. Thankful for FCA. Um, <laughs> But yeah, what did I learn as a coach in 2022? And what are some things that I want to take forward to 2023 or change? Is that what? Okay. Yeah, just what are you hoping for? Cool. So in 2022, I mean, my first year as a collegiate coach, I, you know, fast transition after graduating, um, graduated in December, got hired in January, started in February. Um, and I would say it was a lot of bumps and bruises, a lot of, um, yeah. but it's funny because I think what I learned is like, you know, I tend to put just as much pressure on myself as I did as a player. And, you know, Chris and I, before this, we're talking a little bit about what you learned, unlearned, have to unlearn. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like taking forward that it's like, yeah, still have to unlearn some things. Still have to, you know, yeah. continuing to refocus where my value and my worth is. Um, and something I'm looking forward to slash hoping for, for the 2023 year. Um, yeah, just learning to better serve my athletes. I think that's, again, something Chris and I, we had a whole conversation before this. Just, <laughs> <you know. laughs> um, just learning to better serve um, my athletes, I would say. Something I'm hoping for. Yeah, love that. Um, yeah, you guys, AZ is awesome. If you haven't listened to the episodes, which I don't even remember which ones they were because it was a minute ago, back in our archives, go back and check them out. You were on, I think, twice. So yeah. Um, yeah, first time head coach. Welcome to the not head coach, keeper coach. Welcome to the family. Head coaching has a whole nother level of stress associated. Yep. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you guys are, are here to hear from two keepers. So God help you all. Um, we're both keeper land coaches. Um, to answer my own question before we get into what we're going to talk about, what I think I learned in 2022 as a coach. This is my third season now, at Drexel was that I am not the coach for everyone and that's perfectly okay. I think that um, when you come in as a first time head, I keep saying that first time college coach, um, especially wanting to serve the athletes in the way that you and I want to serve the athletes, there's a 
kind of pressure we put on ourselves to be everything for everyone and want to be, whether it's liked, respected, it doesn't matter, but be able to serve every single athlete and that every single athlete is going to thrive under us. What I've learned in this past year, especially, is that that's just not going to be the case. Um, there's things that are non-negotiable about the way that I treat people, operate, give feedback, all of the things that not every athlete's going to jive well with that. And that's okay. And there was a lot of, you and I've had this conversation, many of, uh, audio messages on via iMessage or like a phone call about the craziness that our keepers do, but it's just, you know, everyone's different. So, um, and I think going into 2023 logistically is to have three goalkeepers and have them be healthy for a whole season, ideally. Um, But even more specifically than that, it's uh, learning where my blind spots are in relationship to my athletes in moments where there's conflict or moments where there needs to be a hard conversation um, to figure out kind of one, what actually pisses me off about what this person is doing or saying or thinking and does it have anything to do with them or does it have something to do with something that is, exists outside of Drexel um, to best serve them? That's good stuff. So that uh, segues us into what we're even here to talk about with you guys. So um, obviously AZ and I are coaches. Something we have uh, been talking a lot about is how to serve our athletes in a mental health capacity. But what's been largely missing from the conversation is how do coaches serve themselves, support each other, or get served in the first place? Um, My perspective is that coaches are literally the foundation of the team. And we are in keeper land where it's a team within a team. So if this is largely overlooked, then how does that affect the dynamic within Keeperland and within the whole team? So that's the plan of attack for this series that doesn't have a name because I just haven't come up with one yet. Um, and we're, we're trying to be as solutions focused as possible. So from the jump, um, AZ, my question for you is this conversation about mental health and coaches is largely overlooked, like a lot. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think most of the focus is usually on the athlete. I mean, I think that's the nature of sports. Like if you look at headlines, majority of the time, I would say we're looking at the stats of the athlete. I mean, there is like, obviously ESPN talks about coaches and, and whatnot. Um, But at the end of the day, the people who are performing, the people who are, you know, accomplishing these goals or these um, records, et cetera, like they are the athletes. And like, I think coaches also take a step back and it's like, you know, I would say most coaches, if it's not like trying to live vicariously through your players, then it is like, you know, you're trying to help and, you know, build other people to get to the next level. So I think just the whole idea of sports is like, what is sports? And it's like, you're watching people compete and it like, usually the coaches aren't the ones competing. So that's why I think a lot of times coaches are either overlooked, especially I would say, um, college athletics it's it's I would say a lot more overlooked like if you're reading stats like a lot of times it's mostly player focus which it should be I I think too but for mental health standpoint like coaches are huge like we're they're the drivers slash people who help to create the culture help to create um the space where players can feel comfortable then come with you know what they're struggling with yeah um I fully agree like I think the reason why I coach is for the players, um, which is also a different question. I'm going to ask you that question. So be prepared for how, what you're going to ask. <laughs> but I coach for the players, right? It's, it's an 
tremendous opportunity to pour into the next generation, to show them Jesus, all the things, right? Um, so I think it's important to center the athletes and not center the coach because that could be damaging, that can be challenging too, right? Egos get in the way. It's enough of an ego-driven environment. We don't need the coaches to try and be the center of the narrative too. Um, but I, I agree with you. Like coaches don't necessarily need to be center, but they are a significant portion. That's why I think about like, if you're building a house, that's literally the foundation. Teams can be, games can be won and lost because of not just the coach's decision-making, but their ability to cultivate culture. Like you were just saying, their ability to manage uh, conflicts, their ability to make informed decisions, to communicate, whatever their interpersonal effectiveness and emotional intelligence, which a lot of coaches lack, can be like uh, either a massive benefit to a team or a massive detriment to a team. So um, not just for the sake of serving the athletes, but I think it's important to not lose sight of the coach. The other thing I was going to say before I ask you this, the, the question of why do you coach is I see a lot of coaches flip out in one way or the other, whether it's they do something way out of their character or they talk to their athletes any kind of way or something like this or like this or like this. And a lot of the conversation is, well, why'd you do that? It affected the athlete in this way or the other, but there's not a, if you approach it from a trauma informed perspective, not like, because we're talking about trauma, but just from that mindset of, well, what happened to you that made you think that that made sense to respond that way? Um, and not just about the behavior. How do we get to the heart of, why this coach thinks, feels, behaves in the way that they do, and how can we help them be more a more fulfilled adult so that they can pour into whether you have little little kiddos or you've got grown adults in pros. So it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of that's like I. It goes back to like when you tell athletes like, oh, like you have to have your identity rooted in something. It's the same for the coaches. Like if your identity is not rooted in something strong and steadfast you're going to blow up. Like you're going to have these reactions that are not, you know, if you're putting your worth and value in these things that at the end of the day, you know, wins and losses, um, performance, like you're going to blow, like you're going to lose a fuse here. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Believers lose fuses here and there. It happens. It happens. But yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And I think that we, that's a whole different conversation about what it is to be a believer as a coach. So we're not even going to get into that because it's a different podcast episode altogether. So I'm going to put a pin in what I just said and or I was gonna, and ask you this question. So I, I got to share with everybody why I coach. AZ, tell us why you coach. Yeah. Um, why I coach, you know, everybody has had their fair share of great coaches and fair share of coaches that have impacted you in a pretty negative way, I can say. Um, so, you know, I had an amazing high school coach, you know, she was a strong, strong believer still to this day. She stepped up as a mother figure for me um, and has had my back ever since high school. And, you know, she was the example that I loved and, you know, continue to, you know, I consider her as one of my role models. Um, and then I've had coaches in, in the college setting where I've seen tear down my teammates, um, tear down me and, you know, and, just really value the performance side more than the athlete side of things, unfortunately. Um, had a rough go with, you know, a coach questioning my mental health because I was having 
performance anxiety and, and saying that I had unresolved issues with my mom passing. So there is some, yeah, like when I tell you, like I was confronted about the wrong thing at the wrong, it was just a hot mess. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, you know, I want to share the love of Christ with my, my players, you know, athletics is a really broken world. Chris and I have talked about this. It's, it's an ego driven, it's broken. It's, um, you know, looking for fulfillment and things that really won't give you fulfillment. So, you know, first off loving my players well, and just being the coach that like, I wanted to have in college is like, you know, that's kind of why, you know, I love coaching and love, you know, helping these players, you know, reach, reach their potential, but then also like at the end of the day, their souls are what matters. So. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I think what's central to what you're saying is that um, you want to be a transformational coach. So I'm quoting 360 coaching. Yes. This is not a promotional, but it is awesome. So I highly recommend, but like, we're talking about trans transformational coaching in a transactional sport world. So, um, which I think is awesome and, and is the difference between like, it's not even just about having lasting relationships with your athletes. Cause that's just an added perk, but it's, I think different, the difference between having an athlete that leaves their environment, whether it's high school, youth club, uh, college pro and leave a better person or they, they could still leave a better person, but like you can kind of uh, almost guarantee that that's going to happen because coaches are so paramount to the relationship between their, their athlete and their coach and so paramount to their sport experience. However, giant, but in the middle of that, it's really, really challenging to be a transformational coach in a transactional setting. And I think that can play into some of the, uh, some of the mental health things, there's like a, a concept called cognitive dissonance where like what I do and what I believe don't ma don't match up. Mm -hmm. Like my idealized self and my actual self are incongruent. And I think that's happens often, at least for, my, for me as a coach who is a believer and wants to approach my athletes in that way, who still has to make a decision about who plays, how much are they going to play? And they might only view it in a transactional way. So uh, my question for you, AZ, is, how has that been for you navigating a world like that yeah. first year coach, all of it? I mean, that in itself is, you know, goalie world is a very special place. You oh, know, yeah. one person yep. plays at a time and usually they're not getting sub. Um, so that in itself is like for as an athlete already super difficult. You know, you come in maybe being the best player on your high school team, come into college and now you're, you know, you're starting over in a sense. Um, right. And so, especially in goalkeeper world, like that can be felt as very transactional. It's like, oh, what am I doing that? Like, if I can't start then what, why am I not starting? Like, what, mm -hmm. what do I need to be doing when at the end of the day, it just might be the other person's better, unfortunately, like, that's just what it is. Mm -hmm. um, so I think a lot of times, you know, you have players come in and be like, well, why am I not playing? And you tell them that you're like, they're like, what can I do? And they're like, well, like, yeah. I don't really, you know, just keep working. <laughs> you got this type of, so it's really, it's really difficult. And, you know, the people pleaser in me is really, that's a really hard thing to deal with as a coach in general is, you know, mm -hmm. not enjoying confrontation, not enjoying, you know, hurting people's feelings. <laughs> um, right. Unfortunately, it's the reality of, again, the reality of the situation. So it's been difficult, I would say, especially having goalies that like, you know, they all desire playing time. 
I think any athlete that plays at the college level desires playing time. Um, but then it's like, how can you work with, you know, going back to it, it's like, how do you work with, you know, showing them that they're felt, they felt, they feel cared for, but then it also puts a stressor on the coach because then you feel like, oh, well, I'm disservicing this kid because they feel this way. But in the reality, it's like you care for them. So you're not going to put them in when they're playing bad to get blown up. Right. I mean, we've talked about that as well before. <laughs> <laughs> My massive size, you say that. Yep. Um, yeah. And, and I think that brings up an interesting point of like what contributes to coaches' mental health concerns. And I think that's a big piece of it. Like, so we know that we talked about this before, AZ, you said this earlier. Uh, sport is an ego-driven environment. It's performative. Like you, at the end of the day, it's about merit. You either get it done or you don't. Um, but the ultimate decisions being made are on the coach. Like I hear this all the time. My dad and I get into this often, um, specifically about soccer, whenever we're watching a game and a team loses and his first thing is to blame the coach. And I'm like, dad, how much of this is actually in the coach's control? All the coach can do is put players on the field, decide when to sub players and that's it. And maybe scream at the ref, but that's it. Right. <laughs> so like, especially in a sport like soccer and sport like field hockey and all these sports that are very fluid and it's literally up to the athletes to just make a decision and go with it and do what they need to do. Our sense of control. I, I've, I made this joke with Casey the other day. I was like, if you're a control freak, do not coach because you, th you think you don't have any control as an athlete. You have even less control as a coach. Oh, it's like, a whirlwind. It is a whirlwind. It's a pain in the butt. I hate it. Anyway. <laughs> Goalies, goalies, a natural tendency. I always say this is. Oh. Yeah, it is. It's a natural. You're the one who's directing and communicating. So then yes. stepping into the coaching phase of like, you have less, you have so much less. Right. <laughs> you're, not now, on the field. you're not the exactly. one. That yeah. And now you're responsible for directing and coaching the person who needs to direct and coach everybody else. Okay. I'm like, what kind of sadistic game is this? What is <laughs> anyway. <laughs> to my point about what contributes that's a part of it i feel like is what the heck do we do with the lack of control that we have like literally logistically but externally we have to take on all of the scrutiny from people who think we have all of this control so i feel like as a coach and you tell me if your experience is different i have literally never felt losses as deeply as I did until I started coaching. Like when I was playing, you can feel a loss. You could give up a goal, whatever. It sucks. You're a little bit annoyed, but you can brush it off to some extent, find all the different ways to do it. Your self-talk, where's your identity rooted and all that. But as a coach, I feel losses way, way more deeply now than I did when I was playing. And also um, dealing with failure is different as a coach compared to as an athlete. Cause I feel like when you're an athlete, you legitimately have more control. You have control over yourself, but when you're a coach, it's like, it's not just, I failed. It's I failed them. So they failed, which adds a certain level of shame, which makes it a whole nother fun cocktail of negative self-talk the next day of practice. Yeah. I think, no, I agree. Like, I think it's, I would say like, I, I mean, I was, a, I would say I was a pretty emotional player. So like, I, you know, I went through a lot of swings and, in my playing career, but I definitely say like the way losers feel as a coach is so much different because at the same time as like, you know, you're, you, we're supposed to be the leaders, right. We're supposed to be the ones who are setting up this, uh, 
you know, this team to be successful. So when things don't go right, like I can just think about like one of the games we had this past season. I'm like, you know, as a coaching staff, I think that was on us. Like we didn't set them up for success in a sense. Like I think, and then being humble enough and then recognizing where your shortcomings are and you're like, oh crap. And then you start spiraling with that. You're like, well, am I going to be able to prepare them for the next game? Like we just, we something didn't go right this last game, but then also like realizing like if, if players aren't having, you know, there's a lot of things that have to go right for a game to go the way you would hope for it to go. You know, a lot of, a lot of key pieces have to fall into place, but losses do feel differently. And, and there's external pressures from, this is your job. Like, this is your livelihood. Like if you have a family, like you could get fired and have to find a new job within, you know, the next week, you never know what's going to happen, unfortunately. So that just adds to the fact of like, you know, not only are, you know, players obviously feel it from, you know, their parents, uh, that's a whole, if you're a parent, Okay, I'm gonna cut myself off right now. <laughs> We're not gonna talk about right now. You, know, you know how I feel about that. We've talked about that. Yep. Um, uh-huh. All right, I'll re-rain real quick. Yeah. Um, so it's like players feel a different pressures, they feel different pressures, and then we are feeling these these extra pressures from you know people admin, like other other coaches in the coaching world, like in your department, even like if you're having a not good great season, like people are gonna be like, oh hopefully not, but you know, that's, I, that's a fear that can run through your head, I think. Um, but yeah, you know, thinking back to like, at the end of the day, like the coach does have the responsibility to set up a team to play another team. And like I said, I think going back to it is like, you know, sports is cool because not like any team can win any day, mm-hmm. no matter the ranking, no matter, you know, what they're coming in with or what they're, you know, don't have, like a team can win any day. So like trying to remove that pressure of like, okay, like this, this, and this didn't go right. So it's all our fault and blah, blah, blah. It's just trying to stop the spiral before you spiral too far down. (laughs) (laughs) We're trying to stop the spiral at like the middle instead of automatic. Because I think it's right. It's right. You, you have to reevaluate. Like if you don't reevaluate and you're like, oh no, we did nothing wrong. That's another problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had to, um, I gave the, my goalkeepers last season. Well, I mean, now it's from last season on, they have a 24 hour rule at the end of every game. It doesn't matter if we won the game or we lost the game or we tied the game. You have a 24 hour rule. What that means is I don't want to hear from you for 24 hours, unless you have a thing that has nothing to do with the game for the sole reason of one, this is your time to be pissed about it or be overly excited or stress out, whatever. This is your time to do it. Once this 24 hour period is up, we're moving on and it's about solutions. How can we learn going into the next game? And I think uh, one that was beneficial because all three of my goalkeepers are like the queen of ruminating and overthinking. So like queens of that, right? So it was great, but it also allowed for a cool down period of like, okay, um, this is what actually went down. This is actually how we can solve this problem. This is actually how we can get you prepared for the next one. And also these are the things that you just need to let go of. Like I think about it, like radical acceptance, thought diffusion, that kind of deal where you just create distance from it. These are things out of your control. Yeah. Let's just let go of it. Um, yeah. And perception, your perception. I mean, I, I 
you know, talked with some goalies about this is like your perception is completely different in a game than it would be actually watching film. Mm-hmm. So until you watch the film, like you might have thought you did a skill and like maybe that skill you thought you, you know, you thought you executed it perfectly. You don't know how that goal went in. And then you watch the film and you're like, oh crap, like that was really bad. Like, right. So it's like, or maybe like you got scored on and you thought like, you know, you thought it was a bad goal they scored, but it ends up being like a fantastic shot. And you're like, oh, like, so I think what you're saying, Chris, is like, you know, giving that separation of time, like I even had to cut it off, like for myself when I was a player, like I couldn't talk about in-game things unless it was like, you know, super a tactical thing. But if I like messed up in a game, you know, I actually got pulled one time because I, I was like, what, what did I do wrong? And they're like, no, you can't be thinking about the last thing that just happened, which I, yeah. I've taken. And I'm like, use that. I'm like, no, if you, I'm like, we had a conversation at the beginning of the year. Like if you're going to overdwell on something like in the moment, you're not focused on the right now, which is important. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and it's just, okay. So that brings me to a different question, which is how do we as coaches remain present <clears throat> in an environment that wants us to be future focused. And, and there's a, there's two ways to think about it, right? There's like, from a micro perspective, training the training game to game, we're focused on the next thing. Okay, great. This game happened. We're focused on the next thing. And I caught myself from time to time, uh, forgetting to find ways to either validate or encourage my, my goalkeepers. Cause we're moving. Like we got to move. Let's go next thing. I'm also a hard keeper coach to please, which I recognize. So like, there's, there's that. Um, and then from a macro perspective, going back to our conversation about transformational goalkeeper coaching or coaching in general, sport is a revolving door where athletes come in, they come out, they leave with the exception of COVID because now you have athletes playing until they're 40. That's not here nor there, but like, nonetheless, you've got athletes. And then there's this focus on what's the next shiny new toy, which is what people like to view their athletes as. So how do we remain present <clears throat> when there's an expectation that people are going to ask you, all right, what's next? What about the next game? What about the next recruit? What about the next recruiting class? All of that stuff. What do you think? You know, I think my, my thought immediately went to like, are you valuing the player in that moment? Because I think the times that we get caught up on all these things is we're, we're almost like, you know, like you basically said, it's like, what's the next shiny new thing. But what about the people on your bench? Like what about the people who are, you know, training every day, and like, they're sometimes the ones that just need to be built up in that moment for the next game, right? Like, you know, I, I truly believe your wink, your, you know, you're as good as your weakest link. I truly believe that. Like if you're having people on your team that either energy wise, you know, maybe they're not the playing level, but if their energy wise doesn't match either, then your team's only going to be, you know, as much as that person gives. And I, I do think there's like exceptions, obviously. Um, and there's obviously... But I do think that's a huge, a huge role of it. So I think as coaches, we have to stay mindful of like, okay, maybe this person isn't getting playing time right now, right? Maybe they're not as, you know, but how are you interacting with that person that still makes them feel like, you know, hey, I'm wanted, hey, I'm needed. Hey, like, you know, I have a purpose. And obviously they need to have their own purpose. They have to have their own identity, but how are you building into it? Like, are you just going to dismiss them daily and let them feel like they don't have a purpose? Then then that brings the rest of team culture down. Cause then they're going to be like, well, they don't care about me anyway. So why do I have to care? And then, but I think that those little things of like, Hey, let's focus on the now let's focus on today. Like who am I going to build up today for tomorrow? 
to, for then this weekend when we have games coming up? I don't, that's kind of what my brain went to when you asked that question. Yeah, no, that's so good. Um, I think the most memorable moments I've ever had with my athletes were, were in moments of stillness and silliness. Like it's yeah. literally stillness and silliness. We, it's a full sleepy ha ha's moment. We did something dumb. Somebody tripped over a goal or got caught in the goal or did something dumb. And we, for a moment, this was not, it wasn't about soccer. It wasn't about Drexel. It wasn't about the game we've got in two days. It was about this moment, this kid, and it gives them an opportunity to kind of laugh and enjoy where they're at. Um, yeah. Cause I feel like those are the moments where they remember the most. I got lunch with a former athlete uh, the other day and we were laughing and joking about all the shenanigans that is Keeperland, and most of what we talked about had nothing to do with like oh yeah we tried to spread today and they it had nothing to do with that it had to do with the fact that this kid was never allowed to get balls out of the goal because she could not step into the goal without getting her foot caught in it and I'm like bro what goes on you're a division one athlete but like <laughs> so we would laugh about that or it was like a random conversation we had walking from the goal to the sideline about something totally random so like not losing sight of the human element yeah. in approaching our athletes. But I think also, and this brings me back to our conversation about serving coaches, also not losing sight of the human element of the coach, because as much as we try to not be transactional between us and the athlete, it is transactional between them and us. Mm -hmm. So most of, you know, obviously we went on a tangent about how to serve coaches, I mean, serve athletes. We both love to serve athletes. But if I bring it back to coaches, what do you think is challenging about being in a role where our job is to pour into these athletes as people, but realistically, they might not ever actually know us as people, right? Because there's, there's going to be a boundary. We're adults. There are athletes, whatever. But you're spending so much time with these people. So what do you think is challenging either mental health-wise, identity-wise, all of it, about being in an environment like that? I mean, obviously, like you said, like there has to be boundaries in place and that's really important, but I still think there's a layer of humility and a layer of like, Hey, this is me. Like, I think, you know, I hope all my athletes know like what my core values are. Like if they don't know my core values, like then, you know, I feel like there's no trust. Like, I feel like we can't build trust in a, in a, in a space because, you know, as much as like, I feel like, especially obviously there's layers to coaching, like head coach has to be a little bit more distant because they're making the hard calls. Like I would say they, you know, but like they can still be, you know, they can still show who they are. I think, I think they can still, you know, have relationships. That's like, you know, the player to coach relationship. It's different than being friends, obviously. Um, and I think it's difficult too. Cause it's like, you know, especially for us, you know, not too long out of college, like there, they, you were in those, that place. And it's sometimes it's like, wanting to walk alongside them as someone who's, you know, as like a, as a friend, almost like, it's really hard to like separate that and be like, okay, like there's a space of like, Hey, I still have your back, even though like, we're not like, we're not, you know, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, it's difficult though, because I feel like that puts a lot of pressure on me or in coaches in general, because then you're like, am I doing enough? Hmm. Am I doing enough for this person? when I know they're struggling and then that puts, you know, it backfires on you because then you're concerned about them concerned about like, is your decision going to impact their mental health if they're struggling already? Because like, you know, you have players who like, you have to realize you're like, okay, is not playing them today 
going to hurt the team more because their mental health is going to be impacted or like you're now having to layer in like how is my decision impacting their mental health slash how is their mental health then going to impact the rest of the people around them mm-hmm. yeah I, and and then that's a whole nother layer on you because you're like wow like I your decisions as a coach truly can impact people's lives absolutely in crazy enough ways yeah it's wild I think that this this is this is a different podcast topic which is I think it's a series about interpersonal effectiveness in coaching, but, and also how do you make decisions in a way that like, in a way that's true to what actually makes sense. It's true to reality. It's also true to your core values because I absolutely agree with you, AZ, that we, the decisions that we make do impact other people. Where I have an issue uh, sometimes with the conversation is coaches bear the brunt of the blame whenever athletes act in a way that's out of pocket, as yeah. if somehow we're puppeteers and literally the, the, what we do is going to influence them causationally or that they don't have this, uh, they don't have enough autonomy to make their own decisions. Yeah. The reason why I say that is because I absolutely agree that the way we treat our athletes. Like we're talking about wanting to serve the athletes and make it transformational, making sure that they feel loved and they feel cared for and all that stuff is important. However, with this new generation of athlete and the the fragility that comes with this new generation of athlete, it's also really hard to make decisions without it seeming like you just don't care about this person. Like there's moments when I feel like I'm coaching walking on eggshells, coaching on eggshells. Cause it's like, if I tell this person today that the past they just did 10 minutes ago was not good enough, are they going to turn around and make it seem like it was on me about their mental health? So I think it's also like accounting for the fact that everybody has their own unique story and uh, experience in life. And that it puts an added pressure on the coach to have to be on at every single minute of the day there was an example. There were a couple of examples this season. This is the first one that pops into my brain about uh, both of us are assistant coaches. We're both keeper coaches, which means we have to do all of the unnecessary nonsense that our team needs meals, hotel. They want to get ice cream before the game because apparently it's a tradition and we have to do that. All the stupid. Chris, Chris sat with me while I did laundry in Drexel. Yes. She's a real one. She is a real one at, at 12 o'clock at night before the next day doing laundry. We had a great time. Um, Lovely. So it's funny though, because you got to serve the, serve the team in all of those really, really tiny ways. So this particular day, our team gets uh, specialty bagels before every Sunday game. I get it from like a local bagel place. Um, but I have to drive 30 minutes out of the way to go get them and then drive to campus. Whole ordeal. Anyway. This particular morning was a just a challenging morning in general. There was stuff going on in my house, whatever, that of course impacted my mindset. And I was, if I was a player, it would have been really easy. Nobody talked to me. My AirPods are going on. Everyone leave me alone. But when you're a coach, you don't get to choose when you can and can't people. Like you have to be people. So I was late because uh, there was traffic or whatever. Everyone was texting me trying to figure out where the heck I was. I walked in the room and immediately I'm like, I got to talk to this person, this person, it's game day, this person, whatever. My mindset was everyone leave me alone. Like I'm in a, I'm not in a good mood today, whatever. Um, But there's a sense of responsibility of like, okay, 
if your coach isn't in a good spot, that's going to freak your team out a little bit. Yep. So like, but that can take a toll when you've got unresolved stuff that you're dealing with, unresolved stress, unresolved anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, and you're not, you don't have the same level of freedom to exercise that when, especially in a team where you spend all of this time um, together. So it can be challenging to kind of create or to, to either separate or to find ways to effectively model um, emotion regulation in front of your team. And then also decide what information they need to know, what information they don't need to know. I mean, I'm, I'm the emotion regulation. That's something that I'm still growing in. Like, I feel like my players can sometimes tell if I'm like on edge and that's something I've, you know, been trying to work on as a, you know, a coach. Um, But I think too, it's like, you know, this goes to the point of like, okay, like there's, we are people, coaches are people. Like we still have our own stuff in our own lives and our own families going on as much as the athletes do. And I mean, Chris and I talked about this, I don't know if you were planning on getting to this later, but I feel like this is a good space to talk about it is like, if you're telling your athlete, like, Hey, like let's, you know, maybe you should seek some help or, or maybe, you know, guiding them in a gentle way, um, and assisting them in a process of like, you know, we're going to, we're going to better our mental health. Like that's a huge thing for athletes right now. And obviously it's, it's needed. It should, should have been happening a long time ago. Um, that focus of, of, you know, not just the player, but we're just not, not just the coach too. Like not just the coach. Um, it's not just the player and it's not just the coach. Like we are people in itself. And it's like, if you walk, like talk the talk, you have to walk the walk. Like if, if you need help too, or like if stuff is going on, like, you know, I'm looking to get help. Like that's, that's what coaches need to do. If you want to better serve, you know, solution, if we're talking solutions based, like getting help, like go to therapy, yeah. go to counseling, like that's, it's good. It's hard. It's, you know, uncomfortable, but I think that <laughs> of like, Hey, you you're doing it. But like, if we're going to tell people to do things, if we're going to encourage people to do things, but then aren't taking care of ourselves, there's going to be a discord and there's not going to be the connection that we want moving forward. Yeah. Absolutely. And and that does segue me because I was about to ask that question. Um, yeah. And, and to your point, I absolutely agree. And I think that it's, it's massive and I am obviously studying to be a therapist, so I'm not biased in saying this. It's, it's helpful. Yeah. Um, I also think that, you know, therapy is not for everybody. So if it's not that, yeah. it's who like trying to find a community of coaches for us, right. It's a community of coaches and community of believers that all have, uh, similar mindsets, um, <clears throat> finding people that you can process stuff out with. Cause yeah. something I say to my athletes all the time, don't bury this, don't bury this, don't okay. bury this because in sport, it's encourages you to have this hard exterior, right? I think about it like it's a frozen mindset. Cause I like to quote the movie frozen conceal, don't feel that kind yeah. of deal. Right. As much as that pressure is on the athlete, how much more the coach, if you lose, the athletes don't want to see you fall apart. They literally want to find a way. They want to see you pick them up. If you, if an athlete pisses you off, they don't want to see you flip out. They want to see you like keep it together. But there's moments where that's literally what we feel. So finding a way to uh, give yourself an outlet. It could be through um, seeing a therapist. It could be through finding a community of like-minded people, right? It, it could very well be, I love to journal. I write a bunch, like all kinds of different stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what I talked about a little while ago on a workshop I did for coaches about creating a mental warm up and a mental cool down. Mm-hmm. 
literally on training days, like you gotta, you gotta be prepared to people. I'm an introvert. There's times when I'm just like, I don't want to deal with people. I just want to hang out with my dog and sit in a cave somewhere. So like, <laughs> there's that. Cause sometimes you gotta be prepared to people, especially like really early in the morning, but then also cooling down at the end of the day, at the end of a season, allowing time to really just process all that went down, whether it's the wins and the losses, it's the decision-making it's this athlete was just so unbelievably disrespectful and you had to eat it for that 45 minute conversation. And you have no idea what to do. Like find a way to process it. I know like AZ and I have a bunch of conversations about things that go on within Keeperland. Uh, Casey and I have conversations, have conversations about things that go on in sport in general. Like, I think that's also super important. We don't want to just just like we don't want to have athletes suffer in silence, we don't want to have coaches suffer in silence either. And just like, you just kind of just go through stuff. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to deal with. Yeah. And like we, if we're going to talk about like two like key things that like pop into my mind and I was thinking about before this conversation is like, you know, the key, the key thing, like iron sharpens iron. Like you can only build each other up when you have someone to discuss with. And I mm-hmm. think that don't bury it, like conceal, don't feel like, as coaches, that's a natural tendency because like we think we have to put on a front so that they can feel, you know, level or whatever. Um, but I don't think like, I think we can feel and I think we can, you know, I think it's a good thing when your coach is just not like have no, if you have no emotion when you're coaching, I don't know. That's that as a, as a player, I would be concerned. I'm yeah. like, like I'm a reader, like I read people, like that's where I, like, I, I'm like, oh, all right, I see, I see how you, like, if you're not giving like, you got to give some, I think. Um, and then also too, is like in any time that you, you know, bury something like two people are better than one. Like you can't like conceal, like you're, you weren't made as humans. We weren't made to keep everything by ourselves and alone. And like, and that's when you start to, to really, like, that's when I start to really feel it is like when I've, you know, I realized like I haven't talked about something. And I think like you know, if it's not within your own coaching staff, like if you don't have people in your coaching staff who you like can really open up to and trust, it's like, find, like Chris said, like, so finding that other person, finding that other coach, finding that other believer, whoever you need to really open up and be like, Hey, like this really hit me today. And I just need to talk about it and, you know, process it. That's like, I love that, Chris. Awesome. So as we're getting uh, close to our time, I'm saving all of you guys because this is literally a series because we could have conversations for four hours. Azure and I have sat on the phone and talked about whatever for like five hours. It's fine. Like Uh, like random, non, like everything. Not even just coaching, just random stuff, but this ends up being part of the conversation. Um, Okay, so what I think would be good since we're talking about solutions is what would you say since you are a first-year full-time assistant coach? Um, what would you say to the first time coach going into their new season? What would you wish somebody said to you? Listen, I, I, someone did say this to me and it was the best advice I had. We have a coach's Bible study that we do on Tuesdays mornings with like all different coaches on, on our app, app athletics, um, staff. And, you know, uh, the one, one coach that I look up to, she said, you know, as coaches, we have too much fake hustle. There's too much fake hustle in, in this world. And, and that was something I felt. I, you know, I never really knew, like, when am I allowed to leave the office? Like, get there at freaking 6 a.m. And then I'm there till practice and then have to get home at, you know, 6, 7 p.m. But I'm like, okay, realistically, as you're, I'm like talking to myself, realistically, how many of those hours am I actually being productive? 
literally not that many. Like mm-hmm. if we're, if we're being honest, like as a coach, obviously time risk time, like how much you need to do stuff during the seasons vary. Like obviously in season it's, you know, go, go, go. That's what it is. But there's still time in that busy season for you to take. And I think of like, you know, I'm not, I, you, as a new coach, like you don't have to pretend like you're always busy because then other people are like, oh, if that person's always busy, then maybe I'm not doing something right. And then it's just this mind battle of like, well, am I doing enough? Like, am I enough? Am I, you know, as a coach, like, what am I missing? You know, I think, and, and so with that fake hustle is like finding time to rest in, in the time of, even though you don't feel like you have time to rest, like there is time to rest. Like we're called to rest, like rest is good. It, it'll bring, you know, make you fresh, make you new, like, and that's something I need it. Like, and even if it's like in my office, I close my door for 30 minutes and do a Devo or do, read or like, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I took a nap on the couch in my office at some point. As you should, as you, you know, should. And, and here's the thing. It's like, you know, coaches, you know, we don't, you said it. We have to be on 24 seven when our athletes are around. Like I always, I always joke with athletes. I'm like, you know, when I was a player, like there would be days where someone's talking and I had no idea what they're saying. Like, I'm just like, and my pads, my, I feel really sweaty today. Like I'm not listening to what's happening. <laughs> like, like, but as a coach, like you're the one giving the constant feedback you're watching and like, you're answering questions and you're, you know, leading and giving instruction. <laughs> like there's no time to turn off at practice. There's no time to turn off when you're traveling. So it's like, being intentional with rest, being intentional with not fake hustling. That's, yeah. that's my soapbox and I will step down now. <laughs> Man, no, that's, she that's said really- that, I was like, I was like, oh, what? Fake hustle? That's a good way to say it. We need to have a fake hustles anonymous support group. <laughs> for every coach. I won't even be anonymous. I'll, I'm, <laughs> it's me, actually. I'm right here. I'm me, Kinsler, I uh, fake hustle. <laughs> What's that funny TikTok? It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. That's the oh, yeah. that, that's fake me. hustle. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so good. I think that um, what I'm hearing when, I, when I'm listening to you talk about that is we need to establish a boundary mm. for ourselves. Yes. Um, but also for the athletes because they literally think we're like, mom therapist best friend whatever as if I don't have a life I legit have been very matter of fact with my athletes this this did not happen my first year this happened my um second year in this year that if you text me after 11 I will check my phone because I'm up but if it's not an emergency you're not getting an answer from me I'm sorry I'm leaving you on red until it's the morning it's not happening um don't call me at 12 o'clock if you're, I'm like, if you're going to, if you're calling me, I'm expecting it to be an emergency. So if it's not, we're going to have problems, but um, yeah. So establishing boundaries, I think, especially for young coaches that are closer in age to their athlete. I know for me, my first year coaching, my seniors were my, were my freshmen. Like they were my freshmen when I was senior. So it's super duper hard. And a bunch of them are my friends, like good buddies. So it's, it was hard to establish a boundary with them as a coach. Um, but it needed to happen right off the bat. That was not my main point, but I just wanted to piggyback off what you said. Um, but any, any advice I would say to, to coaches in general, not even just young coaches, um, is really, okay, here's how I'm going to frame it. I'm going to, I promise you guys this is going to be a coherent thought. 
I had a, a recruit ask me one once um, what I think it took to be exceptional as a goalkeeper in the college game. And I was like, where the heck did you pull that question from? I wouldn't have thought to ask that when I was a recruit, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> that was wild. That was super an enlightened question. So I asked the question, I answered her and said, I think that you need to be secure and secure in three avenues in your identity as a person, in your ability as a goalkeeper, and in your uh, in yourself as a leader. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing as a coach at, at any avenue, whether you're a young coach or you've been in the game for a minute. If you're not secure as a person, any little thing that happens is going to rock that. If you're not secure in your ability, which means be humble enough to hear from other people and learn, mm-hmm. it's gonna have a, you're going to have a hard time. And then being secure as a leader, our job is to be is to lead the team. So. Yeah. I know for me, if we go full circle back to the thing I learned from 2022 of I'm not for everybody, it was because I knew what was clear of myself as a person, as a coach, and as a leader. If this athlete doesn't jive with that, we're not going to work. And that's okay. And that's okay. And that's the the beautiful thing about people is like, we're all very different Mm -hmm. and made in unique and very special ways. And for to say that everybody is going to be like, you know, peanut butter and jelly, like we go together. It doesn't, it's unfortunate, like different coaching styles, different, you know, in that sense, I think what you're saying though is like spot on, like you have to have those three things. Cause if not, like it, that's where, you know, honestly, I think that's where like teams can break is because if, if you as a coach are not secure in three things, those three things, like that's where things start to fall apart underneath. Or, or on top, if we're going with the house, you know, like, it's like, if we're not, we don't have a solid stone, we're built on sand, like it's gonna, it's gonna crumble. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, you guys, we are out of time. Um, this is, I really, really hope that everyone has enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. And I know that you have, I say that in every episode, there's no way people have enjoyed it as much as we have <laughs> for like ages. Um, but yeah, you guys, I want to I thank you all for popping on and, and listening to us, you know, ramble on about some of our stuff and, and hopefully offer some solutions. This is a conversation we're going to continue to have um, in a bunch of different avenues and is super duper important. And the one thing I'll say, if you're the athlete or if you're a fellow coach, go check up on your coach, bro. Like things are hard out here for everyone. So um, oh, you're telling let's me. check up on each other. Check yes. up on each other. Um, so yeah, I thank everybody for popping on AZ. I thank you for your infinite wisdom as always coming on the pod and chatting it up with me. Um, yeah. So again, you guys, the usual stuff, find us on Instagram behind the mask, 3132, find us on Spotify, Apple podcasts. If you still, uh, listen on YouTube, subscribe, like all the things I haven't done that in a minute. That's wild. Um, yes. I forgot about YouTube for a quick minute there. I know. I know. I'm like, yes, that's where I listen. And then you're like, YouTube. I'm like, oh, I've got like four family members that listen on YouTube, which is why it goes on YouTube. Hello, Chris's family. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Um, Yeah. So we want to hear from you guys. Hit us up in the comment section anywhere. If you're a coach out there and you want to hear more um, about different things, you want us to hit some topics, we would love to do that. If you're an athlete and you want to know how you could support your coach, we love that you want to do that. Um, Connect with us. We'd love to hear from you guys. But until next time, we'll catch you guys later. Bye.